1,000 better stories. You're listening to 1,000 Better Stories, the Scottish Communities Climate Action Network's podcast sharing stories of community-led climate action in Scotland to help us all imagine the better and fairer future and transform what we think is possible. Welcome to our Everyday Changemakers series. We blethers with everyday people taking climate action in their communities. Hello, it's Kashka, your story weaver. I hope you're ready for the third and the penultimate instalment of Everyday Changemakers stories from Inverness. Today we have an unexpected double feature for you. We talked to John from Homegrown as planned, and we have an additional story from Maria from Nocknagale. Both groups have been working to hold on to and care for community green spaces within the rising wave of suburban sprawl in the south of Inverness. In the last episode, I left Gina and Mike at a quiet urban Altnaskiak Dell and continued my cycle south, leaving the established suburbs full of stone houses and expansive gardens and following the road along the River Ness. I was heading towards home and its newly opened community garden, which is incongruously nestled at the side of the suburb's massive Tesco. I wouldn't have even known it existed were it not for the incredible Edible Inverness Facebook page. Soon the houses became more modern and as I approached my destination, it looked like much building in the area was still in progress. The giant supermarket was hard to miss. It stood back from the road and was surrounded by the obligatory car park, in addition to the vast expanse of short shorn grass and concrete concourse. I headed for the bike racks and immediately spotted the garden itself, 25 square metres of it, carved out in a lawn. It was tucked away against a massive native hedge at the edge of the property and sported a welcoming mix of ground and raised beds, a pergola with some climbers, along with plenty of seating. After the morning sunshine, it's become quite drizzly. So I was happy to find shelter in a small open tool storage shack at the back of the garden to have my lunch. I enjoyed the chatter of the songbirds feeding on berries in the hedge behind me and the playful displays on the garden's feeders. Soon I spotted my host, John, parking his bike next to mine across the expanse of the lawn. Before we settled down for a chat, I asked him to show me his favourite spot in the garden. Um, so I think I've, I've been really enjoying the um, along the edges of the garden. We got these um, beds established quite early on in the process and we've just been planting out with mainly plants that we've been donated um, and we've kind of kept it all um, perennial plants so things that will just keep coming back every year oh you have rhubarb yeah it's edible so, things and yeah, lots of flowers so it's a mixture of edibles and ornamentals we've got lots of verbena and some grasses and this is nicotiana and um yeah so it's kind of a it's a it's a bit of a funny mix but it i really like this time of year it's just looking quite nice and it will continue to bulk out and the idea is it was going to become a bit of a a hedgerow sort of thing like a just a bit of a a soft boundary to the garden because beyond this this isn't our land so we didn't want to build a proper hedge or a fence or anything we just wanted it to be quite 
soft and I think that's working quite nicely um, yeah it looks yeah. pretty random but like just quite joyous at the moment yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> lots of color I'm John Dixon. Up until about three months ago, I lived um, just up the hill from here. I now live the other side of Inverness, but it's a 10-minute cycle, so it's, it's still really close. I've been involved in homegrown community garden since the start, really, which was, I think, almost three, three years ago. Um, my first involvement with the project was really helping to design the layout of it and get planning permission. When I first moved to Inverness four years ago I was working as a gardener and I've got a bit of a background in design so um, yeah it was a really fun kind of task to bring together the community's different ideas that we pulled together and put it into a plan that we've eventually realised pretty, pretty well I think really in the last year especially. It's been a really good process seeing it from the design through to a place where it's obviously not finished but it's now a community asset and um, space for people to be able to use. How come you actually ended up getting involved in a community project and it's to do with growing and community mm. gardening but um, for you how does it link into climate emergency and other systemic issues that we're experiencing right now? I think for me uh, Community gardens have been an interest and a passion of mine for a while. Uh, before I moved to Inverness, I'd been involved in a, a few community growing projects. And when I came up here and I was working as a gardener on a private estate, I really missed what to me is such an important part of um, growing. It's the kind of people that are involved and um, didn't, didn't get to share the garden I was working in with people. Um, so I really wanted to be involved in a project that was completely open for anyone to to join and be part of and also um, one thing that I feel quite strongly about is when I was first involved with the project I didn't have my own garden and I've actually only just got my own garden in the last three months um, so I think it's like a really valuable space for people that don't have gardens as well. I guess we're quite fortunate in Inverness where there is a fair amount of wild land around the city but in the, the city itself it's really good to have one in the centre of this particular part of Inverness mm, um, mm. for people to share. From a climate perspective I think what's really great about this garden is it shows local people as well what they can do in their own gardens because a lot of people around here have their own gardens. I'd like to think it's showing people how they can make their gardens more biodiverse and more productive. And we're hoping to, in the future, run workshops and how-tos and that kind of thing on how people can um, make a, more of an impact in their own spaces. When I say incredible edible, what's the first thing that comes to your mind and how would you explain it to people that wouldn't know? what it is. Incredible Edible is it's really like a, a network of volunteers for Inverness it's you know volunteers that work across many gardens of varying scales and ideas of what a garden is I guess so there's um, a garden in the front lawn of a GP surgery there's fruit trees that have been put in on a residential street 
there's planters outside uh, the theatre in Inverness. It's a kind of a patchwork of green spaces that are designed to provide edible harvests for anyone that wants them, completely free to access. We do differ from a lot of the other incredible edible gardens in that we are a lot bigger and it's a partnership with Incredible Edible and Home Community Council. A lot of the management of the garden kind of comes from the Community Council and the Incredible Edible. They've helped source fruit trees for us and especially at the start um, their input was really valuable because this is what they do. They, they start up gardens so um, yeah that was a, been a really great partnership. I think just the more connected these green spaces and gardens can be across the city, the better really, so yeah. Because it's a partnership project, I was going to ask whether you would recommend that community groups work in that kind of way. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely would recommend it. I think, as with everything, just communication is, is key and being open-minded to what people want to achieve. It's been really good to see other community projects grow as well alongside ours. It's really great to know that they're around us and that we can maybe like share tools that they've got or volunteers as well. Just it's really encouraging you know we had our open day and a lot of them would come along even if they're not involved on a weekly basis it's great to know they're supporting us. What's the smell that um you would say most remind you of this place? At the front of the garden where you enter, the first thing we did was we built some raised beds along the front perimeter of the garden and my thoughts when they went in were that the first thing we should get in were herbs. I think fairly kind of easy to use ingredients. A lot of them are perennials so they'll just stay there and keep growing year after year and uh, people wouldn't have to buy little bunches of them in plastic packets from Tesco. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so we've got a couple of different mints and lemon balm and rosemary and thyme. So, so I, which one is your favourite? I think the one that I go back to the most is probably the mint. Um, we've got apple mint and black peppermint, um, which are actually plants that I donated to the garden because I didn't really have anywhere to plant them. And I put them in one of the raised beds um, with the intention that I knew they would go kind of wild and fill the whole space because that's what mint does. At the moment it's in flower and the bumblebees are just like swarming on it. It's great. So just the smell and the, the sound and everything at the moment of the mint is um, really nice. Great. That's a great story. <laughs> I think I took some pictures of sleepy bumblebees on the mint flowers earlier. Yeah. So, um, who or what inspires you personally? With regards to the project, I think my motivation and inspiration has sort of changed as we've gone along. So at the start, I think my intention had actually been I'd help with the design and then I hadn't necessarily intended on staying in Inverness. And so I didn't think I would really be involved with the project long term but um, as I've kind of got more involved and decided to stay in Inverness I think just getting to know more people in the area and forming friendships and um, just a more of a connectedness with the land that's been 
a really nice experience. Amazing, the power of gardening. <laughs> yeah. Um, what would you say um, is the biggest challenge of doing the type of work like this community project in Inverness and in the Highlands? Locally, we've had a lot of support from uh, local councillors and the community council. Um, so we've been really fortunate with that. I think going forwards, the challenge will be finding a kind of sustainable way by, you know, um, the garden gets managed essentially, that it doesn't all land on one or two people. We're completely volunteer run, so it's um, it's making sure that no one gets sort of burnt out by the experience and it continues to, you know, work for everyone really. That's something we're kind of exploring at the moment. Mm, mm. And I always ask everybody this, and this is like a bit of a time travel into the future, jumping into a time machine. I would like you to imagine this space 10 years from now and share one memory from that future uh, with our listeners. Yeah, so I think in 10 years' time, I can really picture all the fruit trees that we planted being three, four metres high, just covered in flowers and fruits and the back of the garden being a, a really nice verdant wildflower meadow with paths going through and I think the garden will have expanded out and it would have reclaimed a bit more land with more veg and flowers. It'd be great to see food being made and prepared in the garden. The garden will be really self-sufficient We've just started getting a, a composting system in place in the last year, so we've got some bays that we built. So I can just see those being full with all the cuttings and everything that we've been taking off the garden. And we'll have a rainwater harvesting system. I think everything will just be bigger and fuller and it will really be a kind of hub for the community. I'm really hoping that, well, um more people will cycle and it will link in with the the kind of sustainable travel routes that are going in around the city at the moment a lot of the houses are behind where we're sitting so they kind of go all the way up the hill and then out towards well they're, they're sprawling out towards Loch Ness basically mm. and then there's fields all around the other side of Tesco which are quite rapidly starting to be built on now so although it's kind of on the edge of the home area at the moment it's going to be very central once it's mm. fully developed so sort of in 10 years time mm. there'll be hundreds and hundreds I think more you people need to take over the whole lawn to me it would you know make a great place for a market or something like that it would be great to to see a place like this sort of bring in people that want to have similar ideas that want to maybe use the adjacent space yeah i think it's all kind of possible i want to come back yeah <laughs> do mm. um i'm gonna ask you whether you've got anything else you'd like to share with people if you're interested in being involved in a community garden but you're not or you don't really know what you could bring as a volunteer I would just encourage you to just come along because it's so great to meet new people that are interested and 
there's always something that you can bring to a garden just coming along and enjoying the space is just great as well. The home garden was lovingly developed on a tiny patch of land that seems to have been designated for community use during the planning phase for the development of the suburb and the supermarket. But as many of you know, getting land in the community's hands is often a struggle, whether it be in urban or rural settings. Just down the road from the homegrown, a community group put in eight years into the asset transfer process for quite a substantial smithy field at the Scottish government's Knocknagale farm. The idea is to shield it from the suburb's future expansion. At the time of my visit in September, they've just celebrated a win of their final appeal, which assures the land will end up in communities' hands sometime soon. A member of the group, Maria, happened to attend our Northern Gathering that weekend, where she shared Nocknagale's inspiring story during the super simple audio recording workshop. The interview was recorded by another workshop participant, Craig Dunn, SCAN's operations support lead. My name is Maria. I'm part of a group called Nagale Limited and we are setting up a project to try and acquire some land where we are trying to set up a community growing involving allotments, uh, an orchard, recreation areas. It's been a project we've been involved for a number of years now and we're coming a bit closer to it because uh, this week we actually had some good news and we, we won our appeal. <clears throat> so that's uh, yeah, a little bit of a significant milestone really in that process uh, to, to uh, make it happen. It's been a long journey. It originally it started because the site was sort of threatened by development and it's a really good agricultural um, land that is being used for uh, growing cereals and also for grass as part of the Scottish Government bull farm. And it just felt like the wrong thing to do with the site. We are uh, losing all our good land uh, to housing and we thought as part of the future we should try and create a space where we could continue growing some of that uh, food close to where we live. Uh, originally we just wanted really to give it a try and uh, maybe rent a bit of land but because that wasn't possible then we've had to actually take the route of, of going through a community asset transfer request and setting up a, a company that will allow us to, to buy the land. So it wasn't quite what we thought, but uh, in the long term, we feel that that might be a good way of creating a space that actually is own and the community have the certainty that they can look after it for generations. Although it's the harder route that we followed, it's about being able to uh, grow food where we live. So. Uh, people will be able to walk and cycle to the site uh, without having to get the car and we'll have a space nearby that brings them um, peace and quiet and that they can enjoy and, and improve their mental and, and physical health. Um, the other good thing is that there'll be a lot of opportunities to develop a lot of climate initiatives like you know, composting, reducing our food miles, uh, providing areas for uh, wildlife and pollinators. So it will really be uh, quite a key part of developing visions for the future about how we can uh, live in a much more sustainable way. We, and I think it's a vision shared by uh, many of us, the rest of the directors and those that are members, which is that there'll be a, an area, what is I mean, currently is a grass field, will have um, uh, you know, sort of beautiful allotments, It'll have um, an area for people to walk with um, sort of uh, flowers and uh, uh, 
lots of nice corners. Uh, there'll be an orchard with apples and uh, other fruit trees. There'll be also a community hub in the centre where people will be able to meet and uh, hopefully even longer term, uh, maybe a, a cafe classroom uh, space that people will be able to enjoy and use. The biggest challenge so far has been securing the land really, although Scottish Government owned that the land, it hasn't been an easy process to get hold of it. One of the things that is actually uh, easy uh, is the community engagement side. There is a lot of interest, so we know there is a big demand. Um, our next challenge uh, is also going to be able to secure the funding to make it all happen. And we sort of know that that will take time, but we're confident that it's possible to uh, achieve it. A lot of the people that have been supporting us have inspired us. Uh, some of them are neighbours that live close to the site. Some of them are people that work in other organisations that are keeping us going. And, you know, when you feel like, oh, you know, it's not worth it, they'll say, you know, well, come on, keep going. And or let's say, you know, what's happening next? Uh, so that has been a, a, an important part of the journey. And also the fact that there is a, a quite a group of us really working together on this. It's the effort of a community of people uh, making it happen. There's a lot of information available with the Climate Highland Network, uh, DTAS and Highlands and Islands Enterprise. They do a lot of work with communities. Community Land Scotland works with groups of, of people that want to take things forward. So I think there's quite a network of support available there for people to go through this journey. Uh, just don't give up, just persevere and keep going. Uh, that's probably our own strategy, which we're still uh, implementing at the moment because we know <laughs> we're not there yet. You can find out more about the history of both projects from the links to local press coverage that I've put in the episode notes. I've also linked information about incredible edible movements, Community Land Scotland, asset transfers, Northern Islands and Highlands Climate Hub, and the Highland Good Food Network. All of these organisation websites are full of useful information for these kinds of projects, as well as contacts and case studies. After my visit to home in the south, it was time to start on the last leg of my journey around Inverness. I was now heading all the way north to the Merkinch Local Nature Reserve, looking over the Moray Firth. Tune in next week to hear the story. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please give it a like and share it with others. It'll really help us reach a wider audience. If something exciting is happening in your own community, be sure to let us know so that we can help you tell your own story. You can drop our story weavers a line at stories at scan.scot. It's scan, S-C-C-A-N, dot scot, S-C-O-T. We also offer training and mini-grant support to community storytellers. To keep up to date with our offerings and everything SCAN, check out our website at scan.scot or find us on Twitter, Facebook or Instagram or simply sign up to the newsletter.